welcome to the Mosh Zone episode 113, week 113, volume 113, number fucking 113. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Trevor of the Black Dahlia Murder and that will be coming up later in the show. No single of the week or album of the week. It's been a very quiet time on that front, so we're skipping that for this week, but it will be back next week. Now we're into feedback, questions, what's been going on. First thing I've got to say is a big shout out and a lot of love and respect to everyone that's been messaging the show and giving us some amazing sexy feedback and also giving us some requests for guests they'd love to hear from. Keep them coming. Always welcome to message us, guys. We love hearing from our listeners. So if you want to get in touch, send us a message through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We've also been getting a lot of shares going on the social media, so thank you also to everyone that's taking time out to share the podcast. We see it and we notice it, and thank you very much. That leads me into the thing I say every week, but it's important to say every week, is if you have some time this week, help us out with a rating, review, or a share. So you can give us a rating or review on Facebook or iTunes podcasts, or you can share the podcast that you're listening to, or one of your favorites on your Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And when you do so, make sure you tag us in it, because we love to see it. All of this stuff helps the show grow, and it's invaluable to the show growing. Enough of the ramblings, let's get into the main part of the show. This week, I got to sit down and chat with Trevor of the Black Dahlia Murder. The first thing I have to say is thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. This man and this band definitely do not require an introduction. Iconic, legendary, and a force within heavy music. The Black Dahlia Murder are about to unleash another instant classic to their discography. It's called Verminous, and it comes out April 17th through Metal Blade Records. Now, this band has been an all-time favorite of mine since the early 2000s, so having Trevor on the show was a big moment for me as a fanboy, but also for the show in general. I loved every second of this chat, really in-depth, and I hope you enjoy it too. That chat with Trevor is coming up now. Right, so I always start with, um, do you remember, not necessarily heavy band, but growing up an artist that kind of opened your world to music being in, in existence? Uh, man, the very early stuff I gravitated towards was, um, I think the first song I ever rocked out to and played air guitar too, and like ever tried to like sing was Jukebox Hero by Foreigner. And uh, a lot of, you know, obviously uh, my parents had a big influence on my early musical days. And uh, like Van Halen was early for me. Uh, still probably one of my favorite bands. Um, Def Leppard also. Uh, so a bit from my dad, the more rocking side of the spectrum. But from my mom, it was like Phil Collins um stevie wonder um 
but yeah, as a kid, um, yeah, I didn't get into metal until I was probably like 10 or so, 10 or 11. And it was like the Black album coming out and being so like omnipresent at the time. And, um, you know, like um, Nirvana, Nevermind was a big step in the right direction for me. Like uh, it was aggressive and um, just raw and real. And even like at a young age, it had like a real appeal that made it so different than everything else that was happening in music. That like that led a want for more raw stuff, more extreme stuff, and even like punk too. Like uh, would take on a big role in my life too. Like metal and punk, I kind of got into simultaneously, and um, yeah, never mind. Led me to want more weighty music, more dark music, more aggressive music. And um, yeah, I still love that record. Still, you know, uh, definitely a staple in my uh, my youth for sure. So, I mean, it's quite a transition. I mean, some people know why they transition to the darker, heavier side of things. But you know, you mentioned in there, you know, the darker side, more aggressive side. Do you, looking back, do you think there was a reason why you gravitated towards that kind of music, or do you think it was just a natural progression for you with your style? Um, it's. I think a lot of it stemmed from a love of the macabre which I established very early on. Like I saw horror movies at probably a too young of an age, uh, not through my parents. They were very strict about that kind of thing, but, uh, you always have that loophole friend. So we were watching, uh, uh, Halloween and the Friday the 13th and the first, um, creep show and like all these classics, you know, like in first grade. And I was drawing people getting their heads cut off with, uh, crayons you know, like that early. And uh, teachers were a little bit worried about me at times with my uh, kind of macabre obsession. But, um, you know, once darker music started to rear its head in my life, I drew so many parallels there, you know, in theme and artwork. And uh, also role-playing also preceded, like, my love for metal. And those fantastic themes and, like, skeletons and dragons and stuff like that, I used to see those on the record covers, like when I would go cruising the metal aisle at the record store and uh, be curious about it, you know? So eventually I kind of took the plunge and really, um, you know, Black Album was huge in my life, but uh, it wasn't until I heard Countdown to Extinction by Megadeth that I knew I was going to be a metalhead. Like that moment, uh, first day of sixth grade, had a terrible day at school, uh, went home and saw the video for uh, Symphony of Destruction. And, um, it just all fell into place. You know, I was like, I've seen these guys imagery before. I've seen that Vic guy before, you know, like the posters I thought were really cool. And, um, it just spoke to me like in a way that nothing ever had before. And at that moment I thought, you know what? I think I'm a metalhead. You know, I think that like <laughs> I'm gravitating towards these people with black t-shirts that I see around and long hair. And, uh, you know, like it was the realization that, you didn't have to be like everybody else. You didn't have to like sport. You didn't have to be like a school guy. You know, um, it was like an awakening for me, like, like, wow. And, uh, the people I met through metal initially, it was so freeing because they weren't, um, you know, I was kind of like scared or, or like, I didn't know what to think of religion. You know, there were certain people kind of pushing that in my life. And, um, 
meeting people that like were just blatantly atheistic and didn't care and like we're like yeah i fucking masturbate who cares you know like <laughs> like it was so freeing and like so like wow these are my people man this is great you know to like just find like-minded individuals and um you know it's a metal culture i feel like is a very nerdy culture and i've always been a nerd in life obviously um so that was just like so freeing to find like-minded people and um yeah, it just kind of gave me my voice, you know, like my place in the world. And, you know, and then I fell so head over heels for Megadeth that like I bought up all their records. I used to like draw pictures of Dave Mustaine's face and stuff like very painstakingly and just all that kind of fanboy shit. You know, like I had like 14 Megadeth shirts, you know, I had one for every day of the week. People at school would call me Megadeth in an effort to like bring me down. But I just loved it. You know, I was like, you're right. You know, like. <laughs> It, it is, and the, the obsession, the early obsession, I think everyone had it. There's always that one band as a kid that not only brought you in, but you became obsessed with. And during high school, when did you click in your head that this was going to be the career path, or did you ever have that thought in your head in high school? Um, no, not during high school. I mean, it was a wish to like be in a successful band, but I played in like terrible bands in high school that were very far away from the talent level of even the early black Dahlia, you know? So by the time I heard uh, what black Dahlia murder was doing, even on the early days, like they were so much better musicians than I ever was. I was like, it's time to put the guitar down, you know, <laughs> is what I thought. But uh, yeah, you know, like it was just a dream, you know, like to, and it really started with, um, reading Henry Rollins' uh, Get in the Van, the Black Flag story, mm -hmm. and uh, reading about how they like had their own label and they did their own flyering and um, their own promotion and, you know, put out this great uncensored music that was like just pure art. And um, they laid the groundwork for the, the touring circuit that we all still do here in the States. And, um, yeah, I just found that really inspiring and it gave me a push to like be more DIY, like, uh, you know, to do things myself, to package our, um, our demos myself and to send, uh, demos out to, um, hopefully bait labels. And, uh, it just really drove me to like take doing that more seriously and not just waiting around, you know, like once I had BDM going, uh, it was so exciting. And I was like, wow, I'm like getting in a real band here. And like this band could do something. And I think one of the things that like appealed to them about me when we met was that I had been on a little like ill-fated tour before that with another band. And I was so driven to get back out on tour and to, to make music that would be received outside of just the scene locally, you know? So like I had this like dream really in the back of my mind. And, uh, but I didn't know that it was going to spiral out of control and become this huge snowball that it has and last this long. So I'm really still realizing like my biggest dream in life, you know, like seeing this opportunity through all the way. And, um, you know, I still feel like we're doing that. I feel like we're still honoring that initial, you know, gift given to us by metal blade records, you know, with the record contract and getting us in the public eye and helping us get on, on tour that um, 
yeah, this is my whole life. You know, like I, I sacrifice everything to be in this band. Um, you know, it's a strain on your personal relationships. Uh, it's hard to come back and kind of find normality after being out on tour so long and so often. And, uh, you know, like the mission from the get go when we got signed was that we were never going to look back. We were never going to drag our feet. We were going to take every opportunity that was waiting for us and tour as much as humanly possible. And, um, you know, we've been operating on that intense schedule ever since in just an effort to like see this through and maximize the opportunity to the hilt, you know? Well, I think that that DIY and kind of grinding element, you know, you guys haven't, as you said, never waned on that because you could, as a lot of bands can, they can get complacent, you know, so long into their career, so many albums into their career, they can maybe not put as much care into their merchandise, maybe not put as much care into their videos, their artwork, et cetera, et cetera. But you guys, all this way through, still put that 400% into each release, each thing that you do. Um, is that at ever a stage, a task? Does it ever feel like a task to do? Or is it still the same passion all these, you know, 20 years basically since? I mean, it's uh, at times difficult in the face of us having so many songs in the back catalog. Mm. And for me personally to like find fresh lyrical ground can be intimidating at times. And uh, the beginning of a record, like for me to take that jump and write the first couple songs that will kind of define the rest of the record too. And what will come like, it's a hard jump to take. Sometimes it's intimidating at first. And, uh, but yeah, I feel like we have so much passion still. I feel like with um, all this, these years of touring and a million shows and a million records, like just keep getting better. Like I don't see a ceiling mm. on the potential for this band. You know, I feel like we're still becoming better with our song craft and um, the lineup right now is just so great. Uh, we're at a real creative high here and it felt like a new era kind of started with Nightbringers and Brandon coming into the fold. And we just see, this group just like really flourishing and making a record that we couldn't have made with anyone else. And we couldn't have made before now either, you know, uh, it's the culmination of experience and, and, um, becoming better songwriters. And, you know, we've had a basic formula for the black Dahlia song for forever. It feels like, but it's really in the minutia and the small choices and songwriting and arrangements and, you know, melody and uh, rhythm and, stuff like that that you can do dynamics you know like that's been the real focus of the last while i think starting with the ritual album on was to be more various and to be more dramatic and more cinematic and you know that meant slowing down at times it meant um having a, a variety of different paces a variety of different rhythmic ideas and uh, you know trying to make things more colorful more um exciting and have more individuality and i feel like that has really come to a boil with this record you know i feel like this is the most creative time that we've had and it feels like the biggest jump in growth between two records that we've had and uh it's a testament to just how positively things are going right now like uh, nightbringers was a big success for us after all these years still you know, some people called it our best record, which was an amazing feeling. And um, 
So uh, now we're even stronger. You know, we've toured together. We've, we're more comfortable together with this lineup. And Brandon has really taken the reins in the band. Like he's, uh, uh, he produced the record. He oversaw the recording. You know, he tracked most of the instruments for the record. Uh, he, he had us all out to his home studio in uh, New Jersey. And uh, that added control and that added freedom of, you know, doing it all ourselves from the ground up, like we were able to tweak things more, able to consider things more and take more time with things and really, really tweak the details. And he had a lot of fresh ideas, a lot of great ideas to um, enhance the songs. And, um, you know, it just felt like a, it just feels like a new era since Nightbringers, you know, with the band. And I feel like this is a, just a testament of, of how great things are going and this this real chemistry that we have right now. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting, not only the sound that was starting to come in with Nightbringers, like if, if you really deep dive into that and you have a listen, whether you're an outsider to Black Dahlia or you're an obsessed fan like myself, you can notice the slight changes that were coming in. And the natural progression from there to the new album, you can hear. But I think what's interesting is uh, Black Dahlia, over the years, you've slowly taken little steps, little step by little step. And it's been a smart way of doing things because it's got to be worrying when you're making art that two things is going on in your head. You don't want to just make the same record over and over and over. Then the other thing, you want to evolve and mature, but you don't want to abandon everyone that's been there obsessed with what you used to do so that must have been a big challenge for you guys going into the most recent or soon to be released album um you know it's uh it's definitely something we keep in mind to like stay the course more or less you know and be a band that's dependable where like a cannibal corpse you know where people mm. know like we know to a degree what they're gonna get in a new black dahlia record but also there is a um a need to be more creative a need to kind of like challenge ourselves technically and uh through like more complex complex songwriting and um you know bigger dynamics more um emotive kind of music hopefully so um i mean there is that kind of like second guess sometimes uh you know where we had so long to sit on this record too after it was written and uh you know, Metal Blade like took the setup of it extra slow, and you know they want to maximize like what this record is going to do. So you know we had more time to kind of fester on it and think about it after it was done. And there were times I kind of second guessed myself, you know, where like it felt maybe because it's different, you know, mm. it's a little bit different this record. Uh, so like it's like wow, people are going to like this, you know, like. But um. You know, it's that was just a few fleeting moments overall, really. You know, for the most part, it's, it's excitement to get this new chapter out. And, uh, you know, I still feel like it's uh, recognizable as, as Black Dahlia Murder out of the gate. We want, we don't want to evolve too much. And we don't want to, like you said, stray from what we've done in the past. You know, like we still like the established Black Dahlia Murder sound and formula, you know, but it's really in the small details now of songwriting that can make such a huge difference, you know, like little rhythmic choices, little like turnarounds and uh, buildups. And, you know, um, I think injecting a bit more openness this time, like it's not as crammed with information all the time. 
as some of our albums, you know, like Nightbringers in particular was a very quickly paced record mm. with a lot of technicality crammed in and uh, not a lot of room to breathe at times. So I think uh, with our age and wisdom, you know, we decided to kind of relent a little bit at certain times with this record in an effort to make the more extreme parts have that much more impact, you know? So getting down to like very simplistic parts at times, very um, open parts, you know, where I haven't like suffocated the song with a million vocals. Like I kind of tend to do naturally is to like overwrite, like just have so many syllables and so many words. Like you see my lyric sheets, they're long as hell. You know, so it was kind of like a conscious effort on my part to back up a little bit, give the songs more room to breathe, have my delivery be a little bit slower and more clear with less lyrics crammed in, in an effort to be more catchy and more hooky, you know, like not really sacrificing um, intensity, hopefully, but but just being more more cautious, more wise about where to sing in the songs and what to do with my voice and how to like make things catchier and hookier, but still being Black Dahlia murder, you know? So, um, I mean, that was like a, a, con- a, a conscious effort on my part, you know? A, a question I had uh, with, with, you know, especially the new album that's about to come out and pretty much any album that you guys have released, you know, you look at how Nightbringers went and how, as you said, people are saying it's some of, some of the best work you've ever done, the way it absolutely outsold with pre-orders and all of this stuff whenever it comes to the next album or the next thing you're going to do is there ever a sense of internal pressure or expectation for you guys um and does that at time maybe overwork in your head like do you go into a new release like the one that's about to drop and do you over worry or over stress about how it's going to go how it's going to sell things like that um uh, yes and no you know i feel like with each record, there's been more success and the band has seen growth, you know, uh, in terms of fanhood, you know, fanship or whatever you want to call it. And um, and to come off a record that is so critically acclaimed as Nightbringers does kind of set you up to be intimidated a little bit to take that next step, you know. But you kind of have to just take it in stride and like believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing and believe in the band. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, like it just has felt like such a creative time with this lineup. And, you know, Nightbringers was, it felt like a, a renewal of energy in the band and of creative spirit. And now that we're all settled in more together, even from like so many tours and, and uh, you know, just experiences together, I think that we're like even better. You know, like the idea is just to, just make better songs you know it's not to make more brutal songs necessarily i feel like we we were on that route for a while to like make the most technical most fast most brutal shit and what we realized was that um dynamics were important you know that um making variety between songs was important and having less of a like barrage of songs like uh really trying to make the songs have individuality and stand on their own two legs, you know? So this record, I feel like, is easily the most variety we've had on an album in terms of different kinds of songs and different uh, feels and different approaches. And, um, you know, but we're, we're still putting new new life into the sound by 
injecting more classic heavy metal elements and a bit more of a rock flair at times. You know, that's a bit of Brandon's kind of influence. He's def- a definite rocker of a person, you know, and he's kind of from that school of, um, of Van Halen and like shrapnel record shredders and like Aussie guitar players. And, you know, it's not the same stuff that like your average metalhead kid likes, you know what I mean? Like he's got a, a really old kind of, he's an old soul for such a young guy. And, um, you know, he's very musical, very talented writer. And I think he enjoys his role in the band and how we trusted him to like really step up and be like such a creative part of the band and such a, um, included like so heavily, like we put so much trust in him to have him oversee the recording and record us, us all. And, you know, but he's just made such an impression on us and he's been such a great band member and so like forward thinking. And so, um, involved in everything we've done like he really jumped into his position without any shyness whatsoever you know like he really just stepped up to the plate right from the get-go so you know it feels like he's kind of spearheading this whole really creative era for the band and he's inspiring us all to kind of lift up and like really do the best we can you know and uh when i hear new songs in my mailbox for the first time um I sense a growth, you know, like I hear what two or three more years of touring and experiences together and all the different music we listened to together and the conversations we had about songwriting. Like I see it coming into fruition as a more creative end product, you know, and um, I feel like this one and like having Brandon produce the record and doing it ourselves with even more control just saw this and product be more professional and more realized than ever before. Yeah, I think I think um, everyone listening, you know, I've been lucky. I've already had a got it this week, had a listen, and I think if you like Black Dahlia Murder, you're going to like it. I think without a doubt, that you know, there's no doubt on that. But what I really am excited about is that I loved the slight steps I could hear in Nightbringers, and then to hear these steps come a bit further. Um, like, yeah, I mean, sexy. I mean, it, it's sexy and a half. Yeah, it definitely feels like a continued evolution that started with Nightbringers, you know, and Brandon injected a lot more uh, traditional heavy metal vibes at times. So with his taste kind of getting intertwined with us and our sound, it sees us tackling different aspects of metal than we have before. You know, so, um, yeah, it's felt like a very exciting, very fruitful, very creative era since he joined the band. Yeah, I I mean, it's, yeah, I've already pre-ordered. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, sexy. Thank you, I appreciate that. Just jump back, talk about some, you know, historic stuff. So, you know, around, you know, if you look at what especially the Black Dahlia has been through, you know, around when you guys formed to now, you've seen kind of... Uh, a lot of trends and styles come and go. And when you guys first started, the scene or the industry really wasn't geared to what you guys were doing. You know, if you exclude if you exclude the demo, but you know, you go in from EP to Unhollowed um, um, and thereon, when you guys came out, did you feel that what you were doing 
was going to garner some attention and in the early days were you garnering enough attention before metal blade to make you persist and know you were on the right track um yeah there were small tastes of success before the uh signing that kind of built up to the idea that we like could take this band into a a real professional territory you know uh with the ep for example we started to see reviews and they were favorable and um you know, we, 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 we took those reviews and like put them into our press sheet that we were working on in an effort to kind of champion what we've done and achieved, you know, at that, to, up to that point. And uh, it did, it felt like we were onto something fresh, honestly, like uh, after the demo specifically, like we became the Black Dahlia, you know, and, and uh, it was um, a kind of reaction to a lot of our favorite bands going more corporate like you had in flames kind of like embracing the, the like new metal thing and soil work doing the same and um that pissed us off you know we were like we were like nah man it's all about the chain heart machine and like so we just like took all these elements that we liked you know all those melodic bands and kind of put our own more aggressive spin on things uh you know, we were also into like brutal death metal and American death metal, you know, um, and um, more aggressive stuff than, than just melodic death. So it was kind of like taking the best of both worlds and um, bringing them together in a cocktail, like a more violent cocktail, I think, than, than we'd seen really. And I think the crown is is a definite like blueprint for what we would do. Um being thrashy, but also having some blast beats and having some more aggressive edge to it. Like that was a big, you know, in inspiration. Um, at the gates obviously is probably our biggest inspiration overall. And the band that affected us the most, uh, carcass is another early one, dark Kane, uh, dark tranquility. But a lot of it was just kind of like a middle finger to what we perceived as a sellout by a lot of our favorite bands, you know? And, um, you know, I have respect for those bands that they they're still going and doing well. And, you know, I understand, you know, people's need to kind of change and progress in certain directions, but that's just not the trajectory for us, you know, like for us, it's all about staying the course. And, um, and, and you know, like I, um, I never see us really um, injecting clean vocals into the music. You know, we did, we flirted with that on the demo and uh with uh kind of uh shoddy results if you remember <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, no that's just not something i have a taste for really like it's not i don't like it when bands do it i don't i mean i like plenty of bands with with soaring clean power metal vocals but they've always had that you know like i don't like that like deliberately trying to be more commercial you know and like i feel like now we've been so established with so many records that people trust us to not ever do that. And, you know, that's why I feel like I see people with black Dahlia tattoos and that's why that is so flattering. Like they know that we're going to stay the course and we're going to honor what we do with unhallowed, you know, but we're also going to make good records hopefully. And, you know, that passion is still what drives us as a band, you know? Well, I mean, it was interesting. You, you, oh, you know, being a big fan, I know the trajectory because 
you know, I was out of high school when you guys started. And I remember seeing the steps you were making. But it's interesting to see that from Unhollowed onwards, each album, slowly but surely, you guys gained a little bit more attention. Uh, The build was bigger and bigger. The tours were bigger and bigger. Was there a point in the early few albums, and I'm talking up to probably Nocturnal, did you feel like you were, okay, we're on to something here. The, The groundswell is big enough that, we're in the right direction. Um, we're doing something right. Well, you know, by the end of the unhallowed cycle, there was already like a kind of fire beginning. Like, uh, um, there was a lot of great press, you know, we were turning a lot of heads and, um, you know, in the face of, um, so much metalcore coming out at the same time, you know, you had as dying on the front of magazines and unearth and, um, you know, we had some similar elements to that. We had, we all bit from like Swedish metal, you know, but like to be the more aggressive bastard child of that kind of sound. And I think that was like head turning, you know, so um, it felt like a, the beginning of a, of a snowball with, by the end of Unhallowed. And um, a big turning point was Miasma was, um, uh, Metal Blade saw the potential for us to kind of cross over and um, kind of bust out of the glass ceiling of death metal's limitations in popularity. And um, I think they saw us being perceived as so many different genres, too, which we always have been. There's always been like a, a genre fight following every internet post that has to deal with us you know what i mean oh they're death metal oh they're melodic metal they're deathcore they're metalcore we've been called everything under the sun you know and we have fans from all different walks of those scenes you know and when i look out in the crowd at a bdm show i see all different kinds of people and um you know i wanted to just be considered a death metal band like that's what i've always seen it as and um people just saw us with our short hair and our kind of nerdy aesthetic and um we were different you know we didn't want to be different but uh we just were you know me with my my serial killer glasses and um you know and then eventually um kind of injecting the comedic side of the band Mm. within our video and uh with our stage show kind of revealing our more comedic personality i think that got a lot of traction too but um Really, that choice by Metal Blade to put us on Ozfest, right, synced up with Miasma's release, was it was a different trajectory than I ever imagined for us. Like I never saw us doing something that corporate, or even having the potential to be accepted at something so um, corporate or like accessible. I guess you know, and and that tour saw us being alongside a lot of our heroes and meeting a lot of our heroes, you know, the haunted were on that tour. Uh, they were a huge inspiration, of course, at the gates too. And those guys, you know, having similar members, soil work was there in flames was there, uh, shadows fall. Um, all these bands we looked up to, you know, so it was an amazing time that saw us making a huge jump in terms of, um, press, especially, um, you know, we were, we were in the magazines all of a sudden and, uh, that began to really like, really like kind of pick up steam. And, um, so yeah, I feel like we've really seen growth in popularity with every new era of the band, you know, and I think it's just like 
making the right decisions and being smart and uh, the right balance of new and old, you know, kind of staying the course, but also trying to be fresh too. And um, then with Nocturnal, the turning point was really um, uh, getting that record out and it having a more death metal aesthetic visually and the, the kind of aesthetic that would really define all the albums to come and kind of solidifying that. And uh, just the immense popularity of that record, like out of the gate was just floored us, you know, and it saw us being at the top of big bills. Um, uh, the video footage in majesty, the, the tour we were on for that was the summer slaughter tour. It was the second version of that. And uh, necrophagist, you know, total gods to us had headlined the first version. So for us to be at the top of the bill over Cycroptic and aborted and cryptopsy and cataclysm and um Ms. or um despised icon and white chapel in their infancy um was just like mind-blowing you know like those were like all my favorite bands and here we were considered not just a peer to them but like you know we had to close the show and it was just probably the most exciting era of the band like being that uh the first tour on our own bus you know and uh you know we had gone back to the van for many years after that and i have no gripes about going back to the van i enjoy that lifestyle just as much honestly but um it was just it was just a time of such i don't know it was like celebration like celebrating the the victories and the momentum of nocturnal and it just felt like that wildfire was really coming to a head at that point so you know that was really the most exciting era of the band and you know like it's still very exciting to do what we do but now it's gotten more comfortable you know like um it's more predictable like i know we're successful we have a lot of great shows that are packed out and there's a more of a routine with it now you know what I mean with tour? It's more cyclic. But back then, before that, it was a lot more random. You know, there was more, uh, you know, we were celebrating the small victories of, of a, a good show or good reviews or, you know, like now, like, um, like I, I try not to take it for granted at all the success of the band, but it's definitely more predictable what our schedule is going to be like and what a tour is going to be like, you know, um, it's more professional now. It's more, um, everything is so dialed in from the booking to the management to, um, you know, aligning tour lineups and, uh, you know, with the successes come more power to choose the bands that we want to take. And, um, but we've also been trying to honor all these different genres that people place us in, you know, so we'll tour with deathcore bands, you know, like deathcore is not my personal favorite kind of music. You know, like I think it has its merits and there's some good bands within it. But overall, I'm a, a more true metal kind of guy, you know, so I'm more at home with taking out um, your cryptopsies and, you know, stuff like that. That's more my personal taste. But um, we try to appeal to all the different walks of fans that like us, you know, and realizing that your band is not exactly what you intend it's more what people perceive it as, you know what I mean? Was like a kind of a weird pill to swallow, you know, but uh, definitely it's been educational and a, a smart thing to realize was that, 
you know, not to like have a fit about wanting to be called death metal and like get that kind of respect from the, the long haired, you know, patch clad community, but rather just be thankful for what we do have and the excitement that's coming from all these different corners of the underground. And uh, like I said, I'm so thankful to see this variety out there in our fans and that our weird kind of misfit attitude and misfit kind of look, I think somehow helped us transcend the glass ceiling of death metal's popularity. And we've been able to do um, a lot more high profile kind of tours than we ever had expected from Unhallowed, you know, like, like I never saw us being on Ozfest. I never saw us being on sounds of the underground or mayhem festival or like Soundwave, for example, you know, like that just was not, I didn't think that was in the cards for us. I thought we were too extreme to like, to have, um, appeal to any of those kind of situations, you know? So that metal blade believes in us and kind of put us out there on Ozfest, And, um, that was a big turning point and a big eye opener, you know? Well, I mean, it's also crazy to think that, you know, a band that has gore basically in it, you know, with the lyrics and everything, yeah, played warp tour. I mean, you know, deathcore bands, you know, I'm not disrespecting them, but I wouldn't really say it's gore lyrics, you know. It, it what you do is is gore based, really, in in the purest of its form. But to say that a band that is aggressive, brood, brutal, obnoxious in a nice way, um, and gory is playing a warp tour, that shows you where the band has got to and keeps going from there on. Yeah, you know, I think uh, there were certain people that probably didn't want to see us do a tour like that, and I understand that. You know, they want to keep us underground or they want us to stay what they think we are. But we came to Warp Tour just being Black Dahlia Murder. We didn't compromise our music or our stage show or anything like that. We came there as ourselves, like flying a banner for the underground, hopefully, and trying to be an ambassador for the extreme. And uh, I think realizing that position has been smart, too, is that uh, I think we've been a lot of people's firsts. You know, first uh, band with blast beats, you know, first band with gore lyrics, first like macabre kind of centric band. And um, so, you know, us being this kind of weird bastard band that doesn't fit anywhere genre wise, like has allowed us to go down so many atypical avenues like Warp Tour, where, um, you know, like we're not afraid to try something new. We're not afraid to try to get in front of new crowds and they're. The goal was to get in front of very young people in which that was a big success. You know, in the States, Warped is like the first show your mom will let you go to by yourself. You know what I mean? So, like, we were hitting very young people and playing in front of, you know, like a thousand, two thousand people every day, which is a good number. And I think a lot of people were just curious to see the one extreme band on the tour, to see the one oddball band. So it was a very good year to be on for us, like because we were alone in our extremity. We were alone in our kind of macabre aspect, and it made us a really attractive kind of feature. You know, like I think people were like, "Oh yeah, we saw some ska bands. You know, we saw a bunch of emo bands. We saw some pop punk bands. Oh, look at the time that weird uh, death metal band's gonna play. Let's go <laughs> check it out." You know, 
And uh, I think, um, yeah, you know, there's some people that, that slight us for that. You know, there's definitely been like some true metal heads that like literally laughed in my face about about how, you know, we're sellouts or whatever like that. That's just something you have to deal with, you know, like with popularity comes uh, detractors always, you know. So I've developed a thick skin. You know, you can't be this popular without also having a lot of backlash and a lot of people that are are too cool for you. You know what I mean? As you rise in popularity. You know, people just want to keep their music underground, some of them, you know, so they see us as an affront to their their very death metal honor or whatever, you know. So there's different ways to perceive things. And, you know, certain people um, have naysayed stuff that we've done, you know, but I think that we're just honoring the opportunity to um, just take this thing down so many different avenues and we're all do, we're doing all of it as ourselves. You know, we haven't um, compromised heaviness or extremity or the lyrical aspect of things. You know, um, if anything, we've gotten more death metal chops as time has gone on and we've become better players, you know. So, you know, I feel like with each album, we kind of win over more people that had an aversion to us out of the gate that maybe saw us as um some kind of pretenders to death metal or um, not genuine or, you know, I feel like um, we're like, we've slowly moved like one over the true metal crowd bit by bit and a bit more with each record, you know, which is cool and flattering, but um, it's not our only focus, you know, it's not the only care I have, you know what I mean? Like it's all about um, keeping this thing going and perpetuating this excitement for the band from the fans. And, um, you know, always thinking ahead, like success isn't just one victory. It's not just one happening. You know, I wish it were that'd be make life so easy to be done. You know what I mean? Like, but, um, it's, um, success in these kind of terms is, um, longevity and, um, um, keeping people coming back and keeping people wanting more and wanting to see us more than just once, which is like such a flattering thing to have people, you know, I've, I've known people that have seen us like 50 times now, which is like the most insane thing I've ever heard, but also like so flattering. Like it means that we're doing it right, that we're doing something that's special or like the live show is special enough to warrant like a return. You know, like there's some bands I've seen where I'm like, yep, that was it. Saw it, you know, and it just like it wasn't that big deal I was hoping for. It wasn't that like really impactful or. So the goal to be a great live band from the very beginning and to really put a lot of energy into that has been our strong suit and been the most lasting testament of our band, you know? So we've always seen touring as the greatest advertisement for our music, which it really has been. And um, so, yeah, being a great live band and having that kind of impact has been such a focus, you know? And a lot of it, I think, kind of trickled in from our weird spot in the Michigan scene back in the day was, you know, we were playing these local shows and there weren't really death metal centric shows at a local level that, that we could speak of, at least that we knew about, you know, it was more like we lumped ourselves in with the heavier end of hardcore and what was beginning to happen in metalcore, you know, like a lot of uh, Swedish riffs trickling into the sound there that was becoming really popular but the early show saw us playing with like um, 
Throwdown, Bane, you know, like these like intense straight edge bands and, um, you know, playing with a lot of like great local hardcore bands and metalcore bands. And what we took away from it was the more like punk aspect of it, like uh, breaking down that fourth wall between you and the crowd. Like, even though we're like a death metal band, I still want to put my mic in the crowd's face and have them sing. And that's more of a kind of trope of hardcore music, you know, and um, trying to keep up with the stage presence of these bands that were more simplistic. You know, they were able to jump around and just act a fool on stage. And like, we had to try to keep up with that, you know, so and also, you know, like going circling back to that black flag kind of attitude that I applied to all my early bands and like my my, uh, you know, uh, the way we carried ourselves was to like really attack the crowd. It felt like to really just not just be sitting there looking at your guitar, but to like really play with passion and show your passion and like really try to exude a kind of energy and a, a uniqueness with the band, you know? And I think that that like really resonates with people still, you know? I think it's really interesting that you mentioned live uh, shows because um, your live setting and how amazing it is. And I've seen you nine times, I think. Um, wow. so, so I know... Incredible, man. I know exactly what it's like and I find it interesting that you're about to release a new album and what is very important for a band is to get out on the road and promote before the album releases and then promote through the release. And with all the absolute batshit crazy shit that's going on, where what is it like for you as a band that is literally about to release an album in the middle of this fucking chaos? It's it's a bit of a motherfucker, man, to tell you the truth. Um, we were lucky enough to get most of the pre-orders out early because, like, there's going to be, like, an eventual kind of mail shutdown, uh, it seems. So um, there was a choice to not push back the release and just go with it, you know, because so many gears were already turning for it. And, um, you know, I think now it's about getting it in their hands during this Thing while they're trapped inside and really like embroiling the new record in them and like there's nothing but time to listen to it you know but also it's been fucking up our plans you know we have this testament tour which is about to go to the wayside you know like testament has been infected some of them with corona which is like very unfortunate and you know we're all pulling for them the whole scene definitely and chuck billy is doing better thankfully but um it's not looking great for the tour, is it? You know, no. like April is going to be shut down and, um, you know, so we're going to have to regroup. But um, we're basically just planning ahead as if this is going to end by the summer. You know, we're hoping to honor our dates in the summer across Europe. And then beyond that, we're booking a new full scale North American headlining tour for the fall. And we're going to hit the ground running on that and kind of like make up for lost time for uh that'll be the big verminous tour you know and uh the lineup we have assembled so far is really killer i can't really reveal anything yet because uh someone somewhere will have my testicles but um uh, it's gonna be awesome and then beyond that we, ha we have plans for europe in the winter and we've talked about australia already and uh we've kind of like got the um groundwork going for a return to australia which is very exciting um, we totally enjoy coming out there. It feels like a rare uh, treat. And um, so, yeah, we're just going to, you know, um, 
you know, having this happening right now has been very like positive for me. Like there's something good to think about in the face of all this shitty shit happening. Uh, it's the new record and the excitement and, uh, of having created it from the ground up. And, uh, that feeling of it being something new in a way, like having all these new elements to it and a new exciting kind of twist to it and just waiting for that to get in people's hands. And, um, get some feedback you know so like the uh the pre-orders now have been hitting people's porches and that feedback is starting to pour in and it, it feels amazing you know so it's like a it's a real high um the beginning of an album cycle you know like to have like new merch that excites people new tours that excite people new music that excites people like this is always the best time in this recurring cycle of black dahlia life you know it's always like the, the new energy, the new uh, the new record energy is always like it's always a palpable, exciting time. So, you know, I'm just focusing on that. I'm doing like a veritable whirlwind of press, which is a doozy. But um, what the hell else do I have to do right now? <laughs> and uh, so I'm just fully embracing this opportunity and doing as much press as possible right now. And also, um, just the way the record was synced up. Uh, we filmed so much content a while back, which is like trickling out now. And um, the world needs content right now. We need entertainment so badly that in a way that this is a good, it's still a good thing to be releasing the record right now. Like yeah. um, to be the track to this coronavirus, like I think is going to resonate with people. And also the kind of plague themed lyrics that we had no idea were going to be so pertinent, you know, um, is a weird, um, kind of synchronicity that we had no clue writing the record, you know, that, uh, so I think that's also going to make it have a more powerful impact on people and a more, you know, lasting impression because we're all living through this right now. So if we can be the soundtrack to that, it's, um, it'd be an honor. And also, you know, it's just kind of like clever, timing in a way yeah i mean i gotta say as 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 a fan but also someone who's music obsessed i was very glad to hear that the album wasn't getting delayed you know i keep reading everywhere that band x is delaying their album band y is delaying their album so i think a lot of it is to do with the pressing plants getting shut down and we just we just beat that you know we just beat like the vinyl plants shutting down and we're very lucky to have started a little early with pressing the records and i think that's the dividing line which is making people have to push back like the hate breed record for example Mm -hmm. it's like it's coming out even though they had a preview song out already you know like um there's nothing you can do you can't make physical copies appear out of nowhere you know you need someone to make them so uh yeah we're very lucky to skate in just before this big shutdown across the board for the music business and um to be kind of like one of the only records coming out during this time, um, I think it's going to be advantageous in a, in a weird way. You know, like it's going to hurt us that people can't go to the store on the 17th and buy the record. Like we're going to take a slight blow in record sales for that. And also that we're not going to be physically on tour, you know, at the merch table making puppy dog eyes at people every <laughs> night for the first week. You know, <laughs> that was our plan. Uh so like that has been derailed in a way, but on the positive side of the coin, the pre-sales are doing so mm. well. We've broken any record we set with Nightbringers and we've like we're holding 
testing the new record for Metal Blade in terms of pre-sale amount. And um, there is a lot of excitement and a lot of like palpable kind of excitement for what's on the horizon, it feels like. So it feels like all these choices we made and as long as it took to make this all happen and like for having a few moments of worry or second guessing there that like we did do the right thing, we did make the right choices and uh, we are going to see this taken to a higher level it feels like you know it feels like something great is on the the horizon you know all of our listeners you know when i say you know this is the shit um and this is the shit and i mean that in a nice way i don't mean as in shit because if it's shit no, then no, I'm, I'm not going to recommend you shit like hey i know how the shit it is the shit now before we let you go everyone listening loves this segment that i wrap things up with and it's called pick your poison Okay, we're gonna we're gonna end on a bit of silliness. Okay, I can do that. Now, I give you two options. You pick your favorite of the two. You do not need to justify your answer, but if you feel like your answer is gonna get you some unnecessary negative comments, which some may through hatred, you may justify your answer. <laughs> okay, I got you. Okay, some are food based, some are movie based, some are music based. Okay. Pizza or burger? That's very tough. Um, I think pizza by a hair. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, some of that has been like uh, since I moved out to New York in the last couple of years and being where there's really great pizza, you know, developed a definite like hankering for it. Okay. Uh, ribs or brisket? Ribs. Um, smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Ooh, I like both, but I think, uh, the smooth by a hair. Okay. Uh, coffee or tea? Uh, coffee, man, for sure. Okay. Soft taco or hard taco? Uh, more for the hard taco, but I got love for soft tacos too. I love Mexican food big time. Yeah, me too. Um... Cook at home or dine out? Um, I guess I'm more of a dine out guy. I don't really have much in the way of cooking skills myself. Um, so, and also like the the food scene here in New York is like unparalleled. You know, you can go around the world in like forty steps. So, uh, mm. it's definitely a, no shortage of amazing food here. Uh, new movie comes out. Are you going to go to the cinema or watch it on your couch? Um. I'm not a super big like movie guy. Like I don't like follow Hollywood that much. Like if anything, I kind of like turn to the past for, for movies, but there's certain things that like, I can't resist the appeal of, you know, like I'll go see a star Wars movie when it comes out or, um, certain horror movies that might tickle my fancy. I'll go, go see that come out, you know? And I, I, I like that, uh, that experience of uh, the theater, you know, it's, it's a, it's still a, a thrill. I think. Spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow. Uh, the beach. The beach is more my my speed. I don't like being sweaty per se. I'm a, I have an aversion to sweatiness, and I sweat like when I turn the page of a book. But um, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I love to swim. I love the sun. Um, I like to meet my friends at the beach. Uh. The beaches here in New York are actually really cool, and I had no idea that you could go to a beach and like be kind of a world away from the skyscrapers, you know. Like, but you really can. Um, 
Um, so yeah, like I, I meet my friends at the beach. We sneak our alcohol uh, into the sand. You know, we're smoking weed under our blankets and just <laughs> listening to metal out of our boombox and uh, you know, doing it our way, man. It's it's a it's a blast. Uh, I've definitely hung out with uh, Dave Davidson from Revocation. Uh, he's become one of my my good buds out here. Uh, we both moved to New York at the same time, and uh, he's someone that I've known from touring together alongside of. So. Uh, you know, he's one of my favorite tour buddies and now he's become, um, you know, like a bit closer and we, we hang out here. So we had some fun at the beach a few times and, uh, yeah, the beach is where it's at, man. Uh, cat or dog? Um, I'm more of a cat man, but, uh, I don't dislike dogs. I think they're great. I've never owned a dog though. Um, but I see like, there's a real love that they have for people that's more like tangible i think than than most cats and cats are more of an independent creature mm. you know like i'm pretty fortunate to have a very dog-like cat that you can really get in his face and like you know he's pretty malleable you can pick him up all the time and do whatever you want with them but uh but yeah yeah i'm like i'm a cat guy overall you know i, I think there's a lot of cat love in, in extreme metal um, okay, a couple of movie ones and then a couple of music ones. Uh, Freddie or Jason? Uh, Jason, definitely. And uh, circling back to the macabre being so important in my young life, they were both figures I definitely loved and respected. And that era of movies, like 80s horror movies, that's like, that's my shit right there. Yeah, it's, so it's the pinnacle. Just like looking through his eyes as you kind of do with those movies and like, as the unstoppable force like with of mysterious origin and that no one can like topple you know like that has been like a lyrical inspiration in a way you know i love to embody that kind of all-powerful demonic character you know yeah fuck yeah um chainsaw massacre or halloween franchise Ooh, that's tough that's really tough i think they're both phenomenal um and i think they both have their hiccups at times too uh but um halloween i I respect uh, especially the early movies i love the kind of like voyeuristic aspect of him like creeping around the neighborhood and kind of like that it would define a whole genre to come of slashers you know um but also um you know on the other side of the coin um Texas Chainsaw just like is so scary in its realism, you know, especially like people thought that first movie was real when it mm. came out, you know what I mean? Like it's, um, it's so gritty and like kind of honest. And, um, that also like defined a certain genre, a certain mini micro genre of horror, you know, like the kind of like crazy redneck mutant family story, you know what I mean? And, um, I used to watch the second one incessantly as a kid and it it had a more comedic kind of flair to it, you know, uh, more tongue in cheek kind of joking stuff, you know, with, um, Chrome dome or whatever, kind of having a lot of like one liners. And, um, I used to watch it on beta max, you know, Hey, (laughs) yeah, yeah. My neighbor like inherited like 10 zillion beta max movies, like a whole, rental stores worth of Betamax movies. So we slowly went through all the horror movies and, uh, yeah, Texas Chainsaw 2 got a lot of airtime for sure. Yeah, fuck yeah. All right, let's smash through the last few. Slayer or Pantera? 
Um, Slayer, just by a hair. Uh, they have more albums that I like, pound for pound. Um, you know, I, I could get some heat for this, but I feel like, like, um, Far Beyond Driven was pa- was Pantera's pinnacle for me. Yeah. And um, yeah. Trend Kill started to be a little bit not what I wanted, and then furthermore with the last record, and um, but Slayer also had some what I would consider missteps in their catalog, you know, where they mm-hmm. kind of embraced a more new metal flavor at times, uh, which I didn't really gravitate towards. But I think that pound for pound that they have more great records overall. Um, South of heaven is my favorite. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really like the dynamic bridge between um, being completely balls out like rain and blood and then more um, song oriented and more various like uh, seasons would be. So I think that uh, South of Heaven is like the perfect blend for me. I think uh, anyone listening, if you don't know, with Southern Tranquil, when you mentioned that, that actually, the whole band were basically separated for that. Like Phil was in a whole different place in America recording his stuff. The band weren't together. Like it was a very difficult time for the band if you actually go into the history of that album. So I think that's why it kind of sounds a, a very different. It, I, I, you know, sense something different mm. had transpired, you know, and um it just like uh, it just felt more unfocused, you know what I mean? Yeah. And some people are gonna blame me for this because some people will like put Tranquil at the very top of the heap, and you know it's still great. I still like it, you know. But it just wasn't like vulgar or or, or far beyond driven for me. Like those are the the grail for me. Okay, Metallica or Megadeth? Um, I'm a Megadeth guy through and through. They were like my first love, but I also like super duper love early metallica you know as much as everybody else does like it's uh such an important part of metal and metal history and they've influenced so much in metal you know but um uh for me it was countdown to extinction like i said just blew my bowl cut right off my head back when that came out and just made me take that dive into metal so you know i'm always going to be a megadeth boy um so we've got a couple left one more music one uh now, normally, now this this little bit of side information everyone listening knows. Normally, the choice is Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder. Okay, so that's normally the choice. So ah, that's flattering, man. That's very flattering. Um, so today I've tweaked it because um, I'm not going to make you pick. Um, so it's going to be Cannibal Corpse or Death. Um, as much as I love Death. And as much as certain records of theirs have had such a huge impact on me, like symbolic and human, um, Cannibal Corpse was one of my first loves in death metal. And it was that gore aspect. Like To me, death metal needs to be gory. Like, it doesn't need to be gory, but if it is, it's better. You know, like, I've always loved, like, the most macabre stuff that you can inject in death metal. Like, and uh, Cannibal Corpse is, like, three minute sort of comic book approach to lyrics, you know, like each song being a story song in a way, um, has such a massive impact on what I would do with black Dahlia murder, you know, stage dives or mic grabs at a show. Um, I, I guess I'm more for stage dives, but I encourage both. You know, I like the shows where there's like either a barrier you can like get over or none whatsoever. You know, like I like, a more punk, wild, stage divey, crowd surfy kind of show, and um, we encourage that like fourth wall to break 
And um, I love when a show comes to that boil where there's bodies flying everywhere. And, um, you know, it's like a controlled chaos. You know, it's kind of a it's a weirdly beautiful thing to see. You're watching a show. Now, are you going to watch it from the pit or are you going to watch it from the sound desk? Um, I think with age, I've become more of a sound desk guy. Um, I'm not really trying to get my old ass like put <laughs> put anymore. You know, there's certain bands I'll go very far up front for, you know, and um, but, you know, just knowing what I know about sound and everything, it just sounds better by the soundboard. If you want to really hear what they're putting across, you know, I'm more of a like chill there with a beer guy, you know. So uh, as much as I want to see um, crazy, uh, you know, people flipping out in a very physical response, you know, I'm kind of like. Um, retired in that sense, in a way, you know. I will go into the pit if I'm really inspired to, you know. But it takes a very special occasion and uh, the right amount of alcohol, I think. <laughs> now you need one to go with the other, but if you could only do one, would you tour for the rest of your life or record for the rest of your life? Um, it's tough. Mm. Uh. They both have aspects I love, you know. Um, in a way, touring forever sounds kind of like a death sentence. Because, uh, like, to do it any more than we do sounds like um, like I couldn't take it, you know. To add that line of, uh, of sanity with it, as it is. <laughs> but um, also, to only be a band that like only made music and never got to play shows, like, that also sounds like a curse. You know, like to lose that kind of connection in the live situation and that kind of like drug like um, adrenaline of it all. And um, yeah, I would never want to lose that either. You know, like that is such a amazing feeling. And that's really at the heart of what drives this entire thing. So I guess I'd have to tour forever. You know, I don't know. Last one. I'm going to give you your all time favorite album. Do you want it on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? I guess. It's a hard I one. mean, I'm a CD guy at heart. Yeah, well, I collect still. Yeah, you're my man right there. Yeah. Um, you know, I have something around four thousand metal CDs, and um, so I still have that like collector love that I did when I was in seventh grade. You know, but um, I think at the end of the day, I end up ripping it and putting it on my phone and listening to almost all my music off my phone so maybe straight to phone man for the uh the ease of it all you know i want to say first off um thank you for a conversation that as a fangirl going into it i had expectations i had a bar that was pretty high um and you smashed it um i didn't you know, probably took me about 20 minutes to calm down. Um, my leg was shaking the whole time. Um, ah, you didn't. I couldn't tell, man. You uh, jumped right into it. This has been a really exceptional interview. And um, it's been a joy, man. It was very easy. You know, you, you have a great approach and some unique questions. And uh, you inspired me to think about a lot of stuff I hadn't thought about in a long time. And, yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it, to be honest. No, thank you. Um very on top of the world today. Um, ah, it's very flattering to be um, considered, you know, 
so important by you. It's very flattering. And I appreciate all the kind words today and uh, that you're really pulling for us, man. I feel that vibe. And uh, I thank you so much for that. All right, brother. Take care. Be safe and um, pumped for this album to finally, you know, blow up. Yeah, me too, man. You be safe out there too. And uh, we'll see you guys soon.
So that was my chat with Trevor of the Black Dahlia Murder. And at the end there, you heard the band's track Verminous, which is the title track of their forthcoming album. You heard the band's track Kings of the Night World, which is from their release Nightbringers. And the last song you heard there was Everything Went Black, which is from their album Nocturnal. Now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed that music, if you enjoyed that conversation, now's your chance to delve into the discography. So get online, stream some music, download some music. If you enjoy physicals, make sure you get onto the band's website or get onto eBay. Buy yourself a CD, buy yourself a vinyl or buy yourself a DVD. If you like merch, there's plenty of it. Make sure you get on their website or maybe even check out eBay. As I've said over the last few weeks, with tours being not a thing at the moment, physical purchasing and streaming is really important to help bands survive and let them know that we care. So make sure you support Trevor and the Black Dahlia Murder. I've also got to take this moment to thank Trevor again. Thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Look forward to touching base with you soon and hopefully catching up with you when you hit Australia next. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone, episode 113, done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.